0: You I I went ahead
1: and did it? I wasn't in it. There's a lot of things in my prayer. Today. There's some things that come up every day. No, you're welcome. There's part of prayer that's not routine. There's, there's part that is. There's some things I'm just going to say. Every day. And almost every day that I live, I ask the Lord. Create in me a clean morning. Amen. Oh, yes. yes. And renew a right spirit. I pray for the church that He created us clean heart uh, and renew a right spirit within us. Because if our hearts would be right before God, everything else would fall in place. If my heart is right, I'm going to lift up holy hands. If my heart is right, I'm going to walk in the way He set before me. If my, if my heart is right, my eyes are going to look at the right way. I want a clean heart. The Bible says that she David, despite all of his sins, a man, after God's own heart. There was nothing that he wanted more than God. He the mess he got into. He, got into he finally came to himself, fell down before the Lord and repented. You can find in the scripture the thing he was most concerned about. I can assure you, when you you committed grievous sins, you've got a lot to worry about. I mean, he he could not be king anymore. He could could have even more destruction in his family. All sorts of bad things could happen to him. But what did he pray? He said, Lord, don't cast me from your presence. He was prepared to deal. With any punishment and affliction, God might lay upon him and he said, Lord, don't cast me out of your presence. Because he had a heart after God. Do you realize tonight that no matter what happens in this world, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Not trials and tribulations, not
0: problems,
1: not troubles, not anything in this world to separate us from the love of God. I love the Lord. He's my only hope. He's my only, hope. He's my only, hope. He's my only hope. I'm not going to make it till tomorrow without him. He is my only hope. And if you have your Bibles, like to go back into the book of Psalms, chapter 34. I'll read three short verses there, and then we'll jump over from one verse in to Luke, chapter 6. For all you sword drill folks, put your thumb your finger there so you can beat everybody else to it. There's one thing strangers have to destroy: the sword drill. We have one tonight. And lose. We're just out of the habit of going there real fast. i Amen. Psalms chapter 34, verse 12. The Bible says, What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, thy lips from speaking God. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek out forgiveness. Don't stir up trouble. Don't generate strife. Seek peace and pursue. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 6. Just one verse that really explains why in the world we even have to have to teach us such a subject. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. The Lord said good man Out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. Here's the proof of the pudding. For of the abundance of the heart, (laughs) his mouth, (laughs) it always gives it away might hold it up for a while. We, we all can do it for a while, some longer than others. But the times will come. The moments. is our mouth. It's our lips that praise God. It's our lips that send prayers into the heavens. But just like that vessel, if it was unclean and it was defiled, it was not fit for use. The truth of the matter is, too many times we allow the things that we say when we're not talking to God to render that instrument unusable when we do talk. God forbid that ever the case. We learned that the mouth is the, the intersection of our, our physical and our spiritual being. We, you know, we're part of man and we've got the Spirit of God inside of us. We're, we're part of the earth and we're also part of the heavens. God breathed the breath of life into us. And it is the mouth where those things primarily come together because they are they're, they're the intersection of those things. And the things that we speak are the things that we live by, the things that we stand on. The Bible teaches us that you have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. You can't just believe. It's the truth. We live in a world today that says that's all you gotta do. All you gotta do is just believe in the Lord Jesus. That's not true. The Bible says you have to confess the Lord Jesus, that if you don't, and if you deny him, he'll deny you. God forbid, I'm going to stand up right here tonight and say, I'm on the Lord's side. Amen. I want God to know that I'm for him, and I'm never going to deny it. I'll confess Amen. that he is my God. All of that comes from our mouth. And so our mouth tells the truth as to whether we're exercising that earthly side of ourselves, or whether we're exercising that heavenly side. Then last, but the, well not, not last, because we're we'll just getting started, but... But speech can redefine reality. You know, you can think something about someone for a very long time. And and you have to deal with that. You have to reconcile your feelings and get them in line with the word of God. But that damage gets multiplied exponentially when we let those feelings become words. And those words get spoken because once spoken, they can't be unspoken. And we fail to see the significance of that sometimes. Do you realize that the reason that the universe does what it does is because God spoke one time and said, do it? Let there be light in the heavens. Let there be the ground that comes out of the earth. Let the skies be filled with with fine creatures. Let the seas be filled with with, with fish. When God spoke those things, they never stopped doing it. Amen. That same Spirit of God lives inside of us teaches us that our (coughs) words matter a great deal. And last but not least in of the Al-Qaeda of summary, we talked a little bit about the fact there's just this belief that there's a, a court in the heavens. And I don't know whether there's a court in the heavens or not, but the Bible does tell us that the devil, the enemy of our soul, is called the accuser of the brethren. So if that is what the devil does... And on some level, that is the devil's occupation right now. until the Lord finally kicks and boots him out of heaven and doesn't allow him access to raise accusations against our brothers and our sisters and ourselves anymore. If that is, in fact, what the devil does, God forbid I ever be caught doing what the devil's doing. I don't need to join forces. I don't need to give him a corroborating witness for some evil thing to be spoken of about somebody else. I want to speak good things. I want to speak things that bring life. I want to speak things that bring hope. I want to speak things that are in line with the word of God. Amen. And so, this series is all about evil speech. And I just, you know, kind of 2021 20, up, I call it bad words, But it's just about evil speech. Speech that is, that is derogatory Uh, that is potentially harmful to somebody else, and that harm can take a lot of forms. You can cause somebody to to miss out on a business opportunity. You can cause somebody to be hurt physically. You can cause somebody to be hurt emotionally, psychologically, and even sometimes spiritually. There are a lot of folks walking around in this world, unfortunately, that won't grace the doors of the house of God because of something that a child of God said to them. Yes, sir. Now, I know everybody makes their own choices. I know that's a that's a sad excuse to miss heaven for but that's what they're missing it for. And I sure don't going to be in that, that camp. I don't want to have found myself guilty of destroying somebody, and, and not just them personally, but them in the eyes of somebody else in ways that I should never have done. And the examples of these things is, we could go on all night, just a few of those examples are... You know, if I'm criticizing somebody's faith, I'm calling into question their integrity. And I'm somehow kind of imputing their honor and making them look bad in, in somebody else's eyes. And I'm going to point out that they're not as dedicated as they need to be. I'm going to point out that they're shallow and not deep. I know y'all have never said that before. i never said anything like that. Sometimes we can mention negative character traits, and it really don't even matter that they might know they have that problem, but why are we bringing it up? Why are we highlighting it? Why are we making sure that that guy over there that didn't know that yesterday sure does know today that you've got a big mouth? Yeah, I do talk about you specifically. Settle on down. The list can go on and on and on. I want to talk for just a few minutes about what causes us to speak these things. What makes this happen? I, I'm a lie person. I, I'm a principle person. And don't give me 28 rules. Let me understand the principle because if you can get the principle right, you won't have to worry about rules. You know, I mean, if, if you want to be modest in your appearance, you do not have to be told, well, it's got to be, you know, 4.7 inches from the floor, whatever it may be. You just know this is what God says modesty is. And so therefore, I'm going to do the best I can to make sure that I'm in line with what God wants for my why? So, so why, why do we do these things? Why do these words come out of our mouth? You've wondered that yourself sometimes. Sometimes you said something and you go, why in the world did I say that? What, what came over me? What possessed me to say those words? Speech does not come from the outside in. Speech comes from the inside out. That's not Jeremy Paulsey philosophy. That's the scripture that I written to you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Whatever's on the inside. I know that, that that our flesh can constrain it for a while, and your flesh should constrain it. That's a lot of what we're talking about. But the truth is you're going to need the Holy Ghost to constrain it as well, because your flesh is always going to lose. And eventually, you're not going to be able to hold it in any longer, and out of the mouth comes something that was in your heart, that was not right. And and the converse is true as well. If if your heart is good, and our hearts should be good, behold, I make all things new. Create me a clean heart and no right spirit within me. Our hearts should be right before God. And so if our hearts are right, then so should the things that we say. Which is why people think you're different which is why people know there's something different about your church than the other church. They know something is different about your relationship with God than their relationship with God because they listen to you talk. They realize that God is moving in their life. It comes from the inside out. Think about, you know, the the whole process of being born. You can't think about when you were born, but think about when somebody else was born. You're not born with the ability to if I heard a baby scream, You're probably saying, "Did you forget?" Yes, they can make noise, but making noise is different than the ability to speak. Now, listen to Brother uh, Bishop J. H. Oswald talk about this a little while back. I forget what it was, and I was listening to him talk about this, but he was saying that our minds run; that they work off of speech. That is how we learn. That is how we understand because we have to have words to be able to explain what's going on on the inside of us. It's how our brain functions and processes. And, you know, he, he kind of took it aside and talked about the fact that if you ever watched a professional athlete get interviewed after the big game. there fast He said, you know, that they've got about five words that they say over and over and over and over again. Because I know that some of them are scholars. But a lot of them got into college because they could run fast and not drop the ball. And so they didn't really spend their performance years in school studying. They spent them at practice and they spent them lifting weights and they spent them getting faster and jumping higher and doing whatever it is that they do. And so they don't really have a whole lot of words in there. They don't really have a whole lot of words moving around in their head. they don't really have any way to explain it in the way that somebody else would. Who's it was about been about said before, you, nobody ever going to need first words, you just, just you need your vocabulary. A nuclear level, it just seems that no one cares one Iowa anymore about the repercussions of the things that they say, and it comes because yeah. we heard it somewhere else, we, we, we had it put into us, and that's a lot of times why some people struggle with it more than others because that's you know, the way they've been raised, as they would say, that's what they've been around, and so. That's how they relate to folks. They they insult them, or they, they cut them down to size, or they say whatever it is that they, they say that's so terrible because that's what they've been taught to do. But, but here's the problem for you and I, we don't get to live on that excuse like the world does. Because the book of Ephesians, chapter two, beginning in verse one says, And you have the quick, Who were then in trespasses and sins were in time past. You Walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We know who that is. It's the devil. You remember what his job is? It's to accuse the brethren. Verse 3 says, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of have even as others. It's in your human nature. It's part of that earth of you to speak ungodly things because there's sin inside of us. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, thank the Lord, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's a long way of telling us that just because others have spoken to us, just because it is in that carnal nature, just because we are a product of a sinful world, does not mean we should keep on doing it. God died for us so that he could put his spirit inside of us so that we could get a hold of our tongue. If you don't believe me, look at Acts chapter 2. That's where we'd like to live. The evidence, the evidence of the receiving of the Holy Ghost is that you give up control of your tongue. You have no idea what you're saying. You have no idea what's coming out of your mouth. You just know that it's the Spirit of God giving you the utterance. And what we read in Acts chapter 2 they were doing, they were praising and glorifying God. Isn't it amazing that the primary sign of receiving the Holy Ghost is God having power over time. Let's talk about some other root causes. Sometimes some the thing that causes us to speak these evil things is our own sense of self-worth. How do we feel about ourselves? It is a fact that a lot of the things that people say to others and about others are more indicative of how they feel about themselves than how they feel about the other person. They can't stand themselves. They're unhappy and bitter and depressed, and they've got troubles on the inside, so therefore, that's what they're spewing out, because what's in the heart comes out. So a lot of times, our own sense of self-worth causes us to say these things. Why? Because if I can cut you down two sizes lower than I am, it makes me feel taller. If I can find a reason to speak evil of you and, and, and point out things about you that I'm not pointing out about myself, then I feel better about myself. If I can point out how all the ungodly things in your life, then that if I'm not doing all those things that you're doing, that makes me feel godlier than you. Now, I know that not everybody's sitting down and calculating this is exactly what I'm going to do. But that's what happens. It's in our hearts. And so our hearts are pushing out these feelings of of not being worth a whole lot and and not being what we ought to be. So so what is the answer? How how do you fix this? We're going to talk a little bit about this tonight. Have some answers to uh, to these these root problems. Well, one of the, the, the ways to deal with this is you need to have a right understanding. of I am the least of all the apostles. I am down here and I'm never getting out. But he didn't stop. In the next verse, he said, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. When you begin to understand who you are in God, you realize you have no need to prove yourself to all of the rest of the day singers. You have no need to make sure they understand what they're not the you understand what you are.
0: God's not worrying about
1: his reputation. Why are we so worried about ours? Why do I have to make sure that the guy over there knows that, that I'm better than him? I'm not better than him. I just am what I am. i God. Because you see us spiritual people sitting out there, can still get in trouble with this. We can still get in trouble because and this problem has the same root because we feel like if we're judging spiritual things that that makes it all right. You know because we're filled with the Holy Ghost and we know the way things are supposed to be so that means i got to point out that no, sister, you're trimming your hair, you know. Frank, I saw you wearing short britches the other day. You know, we don't believe all that. I don't think we're I'm just saying But it's easy for us to get to this point <laughs> natural things, but then because sometimes we're holy and sacrifice and we do license to criticize criticized holiness and sanctification of somebody else. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11 says wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do. Edify means to build up. When we come together in the church, as a church, this is why we're here. We are never supposed to be here to destroy one another. I don't even care if you have sin. We're still not here to destroy each other. Amen. We're here to build each other up. He says we beseech your brethren to know the illness labor among you. Now, I've heard this kind of put the wrong way before. I probably even put it the wrong way before. We read this and say, you know, you're supposed to know those later among you, which means I got to know every lick of gossip the bad thing ever been said about you so that I can make sure I approve of you. That is not what that means. Right. When it says know the illness later among you, that means to have respect for them. Yeah. To honor those who labor among you and over you, with the Lord, and bless you. And is to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. <coughs> the man of God is going to stand in this pulpit and preach truth to me. I've got to give honor to him. He's going to get down on his knees and pray for me. I've got to give honor to him for that. If my Sunday school teacher is going to stand in a classroom and tell me the story of Moses and tell me the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, I've got to esteem them highly.
0: notwithstanding that, the scripture tells us, 1 Timothy 5 and 19, Against an elder received by an accusation, but before two or three witnesses, and before we think
1: that's just preacher talk, if you go all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy, where that comes oh, from, it didn't even say true. just an elder. It just said everything is established by two or three witnesses. Which means there is no room for gossip in the church. Right. There is no room for something that may or may not be true that you think you just need to convey because we need to know those who paper among us. No. Where would you hear that from? I don't, I don't know that I believe that about my brother. Well, like, so, I didn't see it, but someone thought. It's to more it. I'm not going <laughs> to sacrifice my brother's life and reputation simply because somebody thought, simply because somebody felt, simply because somebody heard somebody else say something. But i got to keep going. We'll get more of that. Number two, we also use our standard. And this really is related to the, the whole idea before. But we're using our standard. Why are we speaking evil of someone? Why do we start to tear somebody down and make ourselves look better to try to make them look less? Because we are becoming the judge and the jury and the executioner. We are looking at it from the standpoint that and let's get the gossip stuff out. You saw. It. You were there. You heard it. You witnessed it. Maybe it was done to you. And you're thinking, well, this is the reality of the situation. I have assessed. I have examined. And I have judged. And I'm done. I can say all these things that I want to say. We use our standards talked about this before, but the scripture tells us that the archangel Michael would not bring a railing accusation against the devil, we're not even talking about our brother and our sister, we're not talking about our neighbor, we're not talking about somebody who want to help break through to the Holy Ghost, ain't nobody breaking the devil through.
0: His fate's been sealed. Open the Scripture and read it. We all know what's going
1: to become of the devil in the last days. This is the devil we're talking about. And Michael was the archangel, although we fully don't even understand what that means. It must be more important than a regular angel. And yet he would not bring a railing accusation. He was careful in his words. What he spoke to the devil. So if that is the case, we should not think we're being spiritual when we are spitting out evil things about somebody else. You're not going to impress a spiritual person by talking about how unspiritual somebody else is. And we've all done it. And if you say you didn't, you're lying and you need to repent. We've all done it. There's times we've gotten up on our high mighty horse and we have judged, we have watched and we have began to speak evil, wicked things about somebody else all in the name of the cause we know. Right. When well, Just because you know doesn't mean that we ought to be careful with the words that come from our lives. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. This is a little dangerous to listen to. He says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. There are going to be times when a brother or a sister has to be approached about something that's going on in their life. We're going to talk about that in a subsequent week if the Lord carries long enough as well. There are times that the Scripture says there are actions that do need to be taken. It's not as if if it's a bad thing, it should never be spoken. Sometimes bad things have to be revealed. But we got to remember that the Scripture says when you get to that point, you have to make sure that your heart has been examined. You've got to make sure that you're in line with authority. You've got to make sure that you've got the right heart and the right spirit about what you're going into so that you don't say the things that you want not say. Paul said there are those that compare themselves against themselves. They set the standard and then they pass the judgment. I know it's it's a little bit harder to swallow nowadays because it sure feels like we have too many courts that don't always have justice like it ought to in the land in which we live. But the theory behind it is, judges don't make laws. Their only purpose is to judge the, the action against the law. They don't get to make it up. It, it's what it the law is what it says. It's what it's written down. If you don't like the law, that's what the Congress is for, God on us all. They don't make the law, they just... Adjudicate the law. You and I don't set the standard. It's not our standard, it's not my book, it's the word of God. And not only that, his word tells me that no matter how good I examine something, no matter how much I'm looking to listen in something, I still cannot know what's in your heart. Again, that doesn't mean there's no time to ever judge actions to, and to, to take some responsibility for some things. Vain. But God is the one that They're really knows. Paul yeah. right. yeah. said, I dare not set the standard myself and then make everybody else be in comparison to it. A lot of times we do this because we feel like our standard is right. We're holy enough, we're sanctified enough, we've been in this thing long enough. And when we start to feel that way, we're becoming prideful, we're becoming arrogant and not humble. I've come to realize something. I mean, I mean, when you serve God a long time, you should be more delivered from sin than when you started. You should be more sanctified than when you got the Holy Ghost 40 years ago. God forbid if you're not. But at the same time, I've learned something in life. If God withdraws His mercy from me, if God turns His face away from me, I don't care how long I've been at this thing, I'm done for it. David was a man after God's own heart, but God kind of left him alone on his rooftop one day, and David destroyed his family. Yeah. God turns his back on me, i have done for, and we have to live with that realization. We have to live, no matter how many things we may have been delivered from, if God turns his face away, we will fall into the same pit and the same trap that that brother or that sister or that stranger that we're speaking evil of. We need to remember, we're one night away from the ditch. It is only by the grace of God that we are We Paul said in Ephesians 4, we're going to hang out here for this one. Just a few minutes. So you don't have to flip very much. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. You didn't know you got a job when you got the Holy Ghost, did you? With all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Anybody not know how many there are? There's just one. There's just one God. There's just one book. There's just one faith. There are no denominations. There's just one church. There's just one standard. And there's going to be just one judge that sits on a holy and righteous throne at the end of days. It doesn't matter whether I think it's wrong or not, it matters if God thinks it's wrong. I need to be careful. When I start speaking things that I don't really have enough understanding to speak up. There's only one standard, and it is God. You have to remember some things about life. The Bible says, let God be true in every man. What's done in secret is going to be shouted. Every hidden thing. You see how much trouble we get into in this world? when we become so bent and determined that we must to speak evil, my brother. Last but not least, number three, a lack of an understanding of differences. Same place, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it that they also descended first into the lower parts of the earth, and he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he made some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. Look at this. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie awake to the sea, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up unto him and all things which is the hand of the Christ, from whom the whole body, all of us, red, yellow, black, and white, smart, not so smart, rich, poor. Good looking and
0: come on I'm sorry, Andrew. All of us. The whole body joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working of the measure of every part,
1: make an increase of in the body under the edifying of itself in love. You might remember from back in the summer, when we talked a little bit about this. Diversity is in the plan of God. Well, that's not true. He just made Adam and Eve, and they were kind of similar. We know how genetics work now. And he says, fill up the earth. So by virtue of genetics that God created, the more people that fill up this world, the more differences there are going to be. I know we have commonalities. I know there are things that are similar about us. I know you can take a personality test. It'll tell you if you're red, green, pink, purple, whatever it may be. I know we're all going to be different. It was in God's plan. What in the world does that have to do with anything? Calls the body of Christ is made up of very different people. All of our personalities and our hearts and minds are different. And when we are judging somebody else, when we are going down that path and bubbling some things up in our heart that don't belong there, we're doing it through our filter. And the only filter you've got is the only one you've got, which is how you think and how you feel and how you see things and how you understand these things. And we need to remember, God intended on us to be different. Now, there are some things he didn't intend will be different. We have to align ourselves with the, with, with the truth, with the word of God, with, with the doctrines of the church. But we are not to be clones of one another. We look at the 5 ministry. There's five of them. I mean, why not just have one? Why not just have a preacher and become it? Because we all need different things. And we need them at different times. And people relate in different ways. Now will be a little facetious here, but you know, every pastor thinks evangelists have it great. They just get to preach and go each state and go to the next town. Evangelists don't think any pastor preaches it hard enough. The apostles, they're all sitting around in their prison cells, wondering why in the world what they told the church to do six months ago, they're not doing it anymore. And the teachers are teaching so long because they love the Word of God so much nobody can ever give an altar call because they haven't got to the end of their lesson yet. And then there's the prophets. Nobody gets the prophets. They are the weirdest people in Scripture. And if you've met any of them in real life, it kind of still works that way. The more prophetic they are, they're kind of out of the norm a little bit. I'm not being insulting today. I'm being a little facetious. but what in the world does it have to do with anything? If all we have was evangelists, the flock would always be in a frenzy. We need the flock in a frenzy sometimes, but when the storm's coming, we need the sheep to settle down and stay in the fence. If all we have were pastors, you, you you'd never get yourself in that frenzy that you need to be getting into sometimes. But you've got to have a pastor because the pastor has the heart of the flock. I know that evangelists going to come in and preach three nights, and it's going to knock out every problem the church has ever had. The pastor knows it don't work that way. It might get us down the road a little bit, it might help you a little bit, but the pastor knows it's going to take Sunday in and Sunday out. It's going to take birth and babies Kids are good. 30, and read not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all doubts. I understand that some of these emotions, some of these feelings can be exercised in a way that just works. I understand some people can talk with their fists. But if you read verse 31, how do we primarily see all of this stuff coming? through Existence. We see it in the words that we say. The bitterness, wrath, anger, and evil. Speech. And be kind once to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgiven Oh, wow, I can tell. I knew what I got started tonight. I to what's going to happen. close it out. What is the solution for We talked about some solutions for. Talk about understanding before understanding that you are not someone to judge. Make sure that you are humble before God. But how how we deal with this whole idea that we are so very different It's the thing that gets us so often in the words of these days, that we, say, but we start saying things based on what we think they did. We think they said. We think they did. What direction we think they're walking. We see actions and we hear words and then we start to assume motives. Remember that description from last week about penalty questioning our brotherhood. Sometimes things that seem awful evil really weren't intended that way. Doesn't mean they're all right. baby. Sometimes she misunderstands. I heard one man of God say, once well, that someone possessed by a devil and someone who's hurt After all a lot of life. Well there's sometimes you're, you're ready to exercise the demon. That's not what they had. That's not what they did it. That's not what they said Sometimes, even in unspiritual applications, we go to go to the restaurant and the order's wrong and everything's a mess, it takes all day long. We're just assuming they're lazy, we're assuming they're incompetent, we're assuming that. They don't need to have this job. They're in the wrong line of work. but we have no idea what went on in their life that day. I want if it's someone that I know. So, how do we stop it? it like oh, well, it's 12 to 10. Sure. Be kindly and affectionate one to another with brotherly love. Of course, we can always be kind. You're welcome. It says, in honor, preferring one another. him first. How does <clears throat> all this? Instead of being your brother's accuser. I know this seems weird. And the clouds departed. I know well, the late for church, but something bad was happening. I know they're late for church, but they must have got stuck in the traffic. They must have been an accident all the way Maybe my brother's not feeling good. I need to pray for him tonight. I need to call and encourage him after church instead of immediately backstitching. Give it up on God. I knew he wasn't going to make it. We began to defend our brother. We began to stand up for him even when he's not there. We began to challenge ourselves to find the good and not the evil. It don't take a smart man to find evil. It don't take faith to speak evil. It takes faith to speak good. It takes faith to speak life. And we began to prefer our brother. We began to give him and her the the benefit of the doubt that we would want if it were us. That's when it starts to turn. I'm going to say, Lord, Lord, tonight, to Lord, 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 would you stand, would you lift up your hands and voices, let's worship him for us a little bit, let's give glory to the Lord, let's thank God for his goodness, for the light and his goodness,